You know, one of the things that I see a lot in my office, and I know you do too, and over the past two years of price run up in both of our markets, frankly, the well, North America, Europe, I don't know. North America has seen a crazy real estate market the past two years. Um, and I've even noticed on my own like Instagram and stuff, all these agents that are very new faces and they seem to be doing okay for themselves. I'm, and they're like, oh yeah, it's my one year anniversary in real estate. I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like I used to be that. And now I'm like nine and a half years in, like feeling like the old guy. I don't know what you feel like. Hey, so- <laughs> hey that's a shot. That's a shot at me. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a shot at you. And so the, the stat has always been, and I don't know who put this stat out originally or what the actual, that, that eight out of 10 realtors in their first two years in the industry, they fail. Welcome to the Tom Story Show with Steve Karish and Tom Story, where we discuss everything real estate or whatever else is on our minds. We're already recording. Okay, we're good. We're good. Welcome back to the Tom Story Show. I am Tom, the other person in the frame of view or you're about to hear if you're listening. His name is Steven. He lives in BC. He's my friend. He's also a real estate agent. Um, One thing that I'd like all of you to ask, uh, if you've been enjoying these episodes uh, so far, one of the things that helps us get this podcast more out there to more people is uh, if you're watching on YouTube, if you could like it and subscribe and maybe even share the channel with a friend that you think would find um, us two fools talking about real estate interesting. And then Steve... Six on episodes the- in and Tom finally realizes we have to ask people to I'm like and subscribe. starting to ask. Jeez. And Steve, <laughs> on the audio only side, uh, what can they do that would help kind of push this out to more people as well? Uh, leave a review on, I think it's Apple podcasts i'm not sure if spot i'm not a spotify user tom you tell me is there a review on spotify hopefully there is or just tell your friends about it yeah we would really really appreciate that we've got a whole lot to talk about in this episode and uh you know in in previous episodes we've had a few guests on they've been awesome um our last guest was sydney that episode i thought was was amazing the conversation that we had with her she's we're gonna have her back 100 percent um, she makes me and Steve look smarter, and that's very helpful. It's funny, right? When we have guests on, we put them in between us on the screen. So it's literally just like two fools and a smart person, and uh, <laughs> and I think it's been fun so far. I um, I wanted on this episode to talk about a few things, and, and we'll get into the market and things that are going on. But hang on, hang on, Tom. Yeah. Tom, I might throw you off here a little throw bit. Throw me off. This is uh, we always record a couple days in advance, but this is coming out right before rate announcement so before we get into what you had planned i just want to get yeah. your opinion rate announcement uh july 13th which is my birthday happy birthday to me uh you get a crashing happy birthday. birthday your mortgage is going uh, up <laughs> uh just give me your like let's do 30 seconds what do you, you think is going to happen i mean i'd be shocked if it wasn't at least another 50 points i think most people think it's going to be 75 points as a foregone conclusion um it's going to impact things. If you have a variable rate, that's going to push prime over 4%, which means that your variable rate will now be in the mid threes. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to make a difference. It's going to make a big okay, difference. Let, it's let, not going to be pretty. Let's do this then. Let's make a bet. If it's, I think it's one. You think it's so. Mm. So if it's anything under one, uh, I will pay for a dinner in Whistler when I see you. You'll buy but me a six pack of sour beers and you'll have three of them and I'll have three of them. 
You know what? That's better. That's okay. better. Uh, I will drink. If I lose, I will drink a sour beer. A, a few sour beers. Yeah, probably. Well, and if, after if I lose, I'll allow you to give me some of your very expensive whiskey. <laughs> that will be my punishment. I'll have to drink something that, that's top shelf from your home bar. And uh, yeah, so you drink. Oh, no, no, this is legit oh. now. I will drink a sour beer. Okay. You have to drink a PD whiskey. You have no, to drink no. a PD scotch. What that is, but I will drink it. PD scotch, uh, a lot of people say it's a, a desired, or uh, I guess. Is it like smoky? No. Okay. So people get this often wrong. People, smoky is smoky. It's, you know, barbecue smoke type taste. Uh, PD, the, the most descriptive I can get would be the equivalent of, you know, if you got like a, a bicycle, uh, if you've ever had a bicycle and got a br- putting on a brand new tire, if you turn the tire inside out and lick the inside of the tire, that's what Petey Scotch tastes like. My God. So, that's what you did as a yeah. kid, eh? That's what got you here. You're licking <laughs> tires. Eating glue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, okay. So there, there's our so bet. What do you, now what let's do you, get on to what you... You think, you think 1% and think uh, so that part, fine. What's the impact going to be? Uh, buying power, uh, for mm-hmm. sure, which, uh, contrary to popular belief, doesn't impact as many people as we think it does because a lot most people haven't moved in the last year, so it yep. doesn't really impact them nearly as much as uh, the people that have moved. Uh, I am starting to worry for anyone that took variable rates in the last, not yeah, even pre-January or February, but mm-hmm. like in the last few months because they were also seeing higher prices and they thought they were getting into a, a lower uh, payment and now that payment is going to go higher. So um, I think there's a bunch of people that... I don't like the gambling on variable rates at the moment um, because variable rates have always done really well for a lot of people, but I'm worried that's going to come back and bite some people that thought they were getting a low payment. I think it will. I mean, even if we have the increase that we think is coming and the overnight rate goes over 3%, um, it, it's still currently the way where fixed rates are kind of puts them even with each other. Um, so I just hope that people that got the variable understood that if, because it's looking like if you got a variable in February, the stress test is not going to save you because it's going up more than the stress test was. Um, the, the do you remember our prediction videos on our channels though at the beginning of the year it's like oh, I think maybe it'll be a quarter point here and, I said uh, three rate half, hikes half a so point here yeah yeah and then there was some crazy guy came from Scotiabank that's like there's gonna be eight points and now we're gonna blow past that yeah right so you know I don't know you can't predict interest rates so you gotta make a pretty good uh, financial decision in advance and not overextend yourself. Right? This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by the Real Estate Video Course. Today's real estate industry has changed and you can no longer rely primarily on door knocking, cold calling, and geo farming. While these strategies still work, video provides something that these traditional methods just don't. And that is leads that reach out to you because of you and the message and content that you are providing. I believe that video is king and that through video, you can leverage your message, create stronger relationships, and become the authority on real estate in your marketplace. The Real Estate Video Course is a five-part course that will teach you the fundamentals of video, including why it's so impactful, the equipment that you need to invest in to get started, and the proven tips and strategies used to ensure long-term success. So go to 
to videocourselogin.com today to become a true creator, level up your editing and production skills, and develop your real estate video plan to leverage your message to current and prospective clients. That's videocourselogin.com. The link is below in the description. And don't forget to use the discount code TOMSHOW at checkout for 10% off any purchase. That's videocourselogin.com and use the checkout code TOMSHOW. That's T-O-M-S-H-O-W. You know, one of the things that I see a lot in my office, and I know you do too, and over the past two years of price run up in both of our markets, frankly, the well, North America, Europe, I don't know. North America has seen a crazy real estate market the past two years. Um, and I've even noticed on my own like Instagram and stuff, all these agents that are very new faces and they seem to be doing okay for themselves. I'm, and they're like, oh yeah, it's my one year anniversary in real estate. I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like I used to be that. And now I'm like nine and a half years in, like feeling like the old guy. I don't know what you feel like. Um, hey, so. <laughs> hey, that's a shot. That's a shot at me. Yeah, 100% it's a shot at you. And so the the stat has always been, and I don't know who put this stat out originally or what the actual, that, that eight out of 10 realtors in their first two years in the industry, they fail. Um, because they think it's just a way to get in and print some money. They realize they actually have to work very hard at it. There is uh, no guarantee. You get in what you put out, uh, or you should get out what you put in, excuse me. And um, do you think now that the market is shifting down and you can't just be an order taker, that a lot of these people that have been thriving the past two years are in for a little lesson on oh, market cycles? Yeah. Okay. 100%. Just like we had to learn about what was going on, right? Like we had to learn about how to, uh, you know, do your due diligence in advance of an offer, or so, you know, instead of after the offer. Um, people are about to learn a lot. And if at this point they think real estate most of the time is what it has been for the last year, like they're about to learn a hard lesson. But I think if you got your license in the last two, three months, um, you're picking the right time to learn because if you can make it through the next two years, you're going to be the best agent ever. Uh, there will be, as you say, 80% or more that do not make it through the next two years. There are some people that didn't make it through the last year. And it's like, if you didn't make it through the last uh -huh. year, when uh -huh. there was 40% more sales than ever before, then what? Right? So yeah, you're going to have, you're going to have to take the opportunity now to get very good at uh, educating your clients um, and connecting and meeting enough clients, right? This is not, hey, you know, can you take me to the open house where there's a lineup of people? This is now, I don't want to go see houses. It's like, okay, well, what we got to now get yourself in a position where when does it make sense to buy houses again, right? So a lot of education on, on both sides. And then now we have to get good at what real estate is usually, mm -hmm. which is educating sellers that they want too much money for their house. Cause that is the normal market, right? Yep. You know, I, I find that real estate agents uh, fall into two categories, but a lot of us try to wear every single hat and that's why people burn out or fail or it doesn't, doesn't work. Right. So there are, there are real estate agents that are just amazing at servicing clients. If they get an opportunity with the client, they meet them. They know everything about it. They know their mom's maiden, maiden name. They know their eye color. They know their whole life story. They they walk them through the experience. They help them buy a property. It's like the best experience for everybody involved. But then that same agent might be not very good at actually creating opportunities for themselves because 
finding the person that wants to buy, finding the person that wants to sell involves either time, money, marketing systems that a lot of people can't do when you're servicing. So if there is, I, and I know some of our listeners are people that are newer in the industry, and I hope you don't think that me starting it like this is taking a shot at you. It's not. I think it, it I would wa- I would have wanted to know this when I got it, got started. You know, what do you have to do as a new agent now to survive this and come out on the other side rolling? Is, is that a, just a question out there for the ether? It's not rhetorical. I'm asking you a that. question. Um, <laughs> Jeez. Okay. So I guess the question is like, you know, if I'm getting into the industry now, if I'm thinking about getting into the industry, what the hell do I do? Yeah. Um, unpopular uh, opinion. Well, maybe, I mean, it's obvious, but it's unpopular or it's not well. Um, I guess it, it's not done in the industry. Um, I would latch on to an experienced agent mm-hmm. and never let go. Mm -hmm. Uh, for the coming period one because one day they're going to retire but two the amount of uh, loss of knowledge that is going to come from the boomer generation retiring uh, I think in the next two or five years two to five years our industry is going to lose more skill Mm -hmm. in putting together a transaction then it has left. So I like I honestly think that because with uh, new business models, they're not training, they're not uh, showing how to show value. Um, so you have to do that as a new agent. You have to learn from someone that knows what they're doing. Now, here's the tricky part: a lot of those are grumpy old people in the office that you know don't want to get with the times. So now you have the ability to come with a fresh uh, mind into the industry, but also learn the skills because the people that are in, that have been in our industry for so long, although they may not be tech savvy, they're really savvy at emotions. Mm -hmm. They're really savvy at education. They're really savvy at knowing the market. Um, They're really savvy at knowing something like construction, right? Like they know how a house is built or, or what to look for. And that's the part that they don't tell you you need to know in the course, right? That's the part in on Instagram when you're posting pictures of, you know, your whatever uh, house you're showing today that's, you know, that you can never afford or I could never afford. Right, at the beginning. And, and, you know, you think that's what real estate is, but it's not. It's the contract tied to getting that property for your clients. So, you know, it makes me laugh a lot. Sell it without getting sued. Is when... um when I, I talk to, you know, I get a lot of, of people that are either taking their license or just in the industry reach out to me on, on Instagram and, and ask to grab a coffee. And, and I'll do calls with them because I I would have loved someone to help me when I started, right? Not to say that I'm even giving them good advice, but I'm just... I'm, if you want to bring a Starbucks to my coffee and you're new in the... Or, or to my office here and you're new in the industry, feel free. Feel free to do it. <laughs> um, I'll take the Starbucks. But one of the main things that I've heard several times is... Well, I think I'm going to be good at real estate because I like houses. Okay. So that's like one-tenth of what you need. You You should get into construction. You can really like houses. That's okay. But do you know how to run a business? Do you know how to meet clients? Do you know how to service them properly? Do you know how to stay in touch? Do you know how to run your profit and loss? Do you know how to grow a team? Do you know what brokerage to join? Do you know what? There are so many other variables but I think the problem with it too is all these people getting into the industry are seeing the Instagram posts of 
me saying, look at the properties I sold and here's the things that we do. And they're like, oh, that looks fun. But I'm not sharing all the deals that fell through, all the shitty days that I've had. Like I I don't share those things because why would I share those things? And maybe we should because we're not really sharing our... (laughs) And and we're not allowed to talk poorly about other people in our industry or that the troubles that we have, right? Yeah. Like there's, there's four sides to, or four parts of a transaction, right? Buyer, seller, uh, and the, their agents respectively. Um, and for me to get along with one person is tough enough. Now I got to get along with three, with three other people, right? So we, we don't share the heartache that is there. Um, for instance, I'll give you an example. Um, when I was new, 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 um, I negotiated a deal while my mentor was off on vacation mm-hmm. and another agent who uh, is still on my blacklist today um, has, a, I do not have a blacklist competition bureau. I do not, but you know, it's always in the back of my head. Like I know that this person took advantage of my inexperience at that time of which if my mentor was around and not on vacation, never could or would have happened. I Can I play the other side it, here? Yeah. They saw an opportunity to take advantage of your inexperience at the time because they were representing their client and they did their job. They... I know you have to be careful yes, with what you say, but I'm yes, just playing devil's they, advocate. They did what could have been, in a way, beneficial for their client... Uh, in a way that could have, uh, as a result, got everybody in a lawsuit. Okay. Um, so, right. I mean, it, it was bad, but here's what I remember. I remember the minute I found, I remember where I was. I was laying on the floor. I think I was playing uh, video games. It was like Little Big Planet or something on the on the floor on my PS3, uh, laying on my belly. And, uh, you know, I took a phone call and then I looked at the contract and I saw a word. What happened is a one single word in the contract from a standard form was changed. Okay. And my heart sunk. And what you can't do is post that feeling and that phone call you have with your seller to say, my inexperience just put us in a extremely bad spot. And then at that point, luckily, uh, mentor comes back, managing broker involved, everything gets worked out, and right. it's fine. But you can't, you can't tell people what's that, what that's like. Here, here's another example. You can't also tell anybody what it's like when you get your real estate license, and then your best friend doesn't talk to you for three months immediately because they were planning a move, but they don't want to use you, and they disappear. And then when they phone you back in three months, they're like, "Hey, we bought a new house." And, you know, you haven't got a paycheck yet, right? So, yeah, I mean, these are the experiences that you can't be ready for until you just have them happen to you and your th- skin gets a, a little thicker. I had, uh, I had posted uh, a video on Instagram talking about the fact that when you get into any industry, um, even the people that know and like you might not trust you yet, right? They, they see you as Steve, the whatever you were before you were a realtor, you know, yep. Tom, the guy that I met at that party, but I know nothing about it. You know, they see you as that. And one of the best comments on that video came from Amy Gilmore, who's a, a great agent in our market. And she basically said the same thing happened to her. Like the first two years, friends and family wouldn't even trust her. When we were interviewing Brad McCallum um, for, you know, the other thing that we do, the video course for realtors, he was like, 
talking talking to his dad his first year and he's like my dad's not going to use me i gotta go yeah when he, like, when he realized like he was talking to his dad and he's like wait a minute he's saying all the things that someone says that is going to use a different agent <laughs> other than me and it's and and what what amy said in the comments is like you almost have to prove to the people that already know you and like you that you can survive without them by working with other people you met and whether that's joining a team whether that's joining a brokerage that provides leads whether that's posting ads online and doing marketing, finding strangers, working with them, proving you can do it, and then they'll say, okay, fine. And and typically, that amount of time is like two years, which is funny because it also adds up to like the amount of people that fail is 80% in their first two years, and it, it lines up perfectly because they've given up before they ever got to that threshold. So why don't you think our industry has a uh apprenticeship program or a complete lack of an apprenticeship program doesn't have it like it's not a thing i think there should uh, uh, i mean i almost think like the barrier of entry should be a four-year apprenticeship like it would be for anything else i have lots of thoughts on that that will probably get me in trouble so i um <laughs> yeah well this is all yeah there's, listen there's too stuff, much right? money coming in to the industry in terms of people signing up for registrations oh and, yeah, and yeah, yeah if so you like made you it more difficult it would be and, less yeah, yeah. profitable and that's a whole nother conversation but that's likely the actual reason you think that's yeah see i would just love to see like the course like the where we are it's ubc uh solder school of business where you take your real estate course for me it's like i i got the book i studied for six months i didn't take any of the fast track courses or anything like that and uh, I just did it on the side. I passed the test, with, which shocked me. I, I felt really good about it. I was like, wow. I, I came out of that test like smiling. I was like, I murdered that thing. Um, and then it was like, okay, go. And I'm like, well, is, why is there not? Like, uh, like if I want to be a carpenter, I got to take four years of apprenticeship first mm -hmm. or a plumber or anything else. Like, or, you know, I don't want to compare ourselves to lawyers or necessarily, but there is a model there like look what accountants go through to make partner yeah right? well i mean with like a carpenter electrician i don't know the ins and outs of everything but i would assume there's like unions and like brotherhoods and like all these things you got to get into that um maybe just have higher standards i, I don't know the exact answer but that's got to be part i think of you need a you need a ticket or a license basically to be or whatever red seal or whatever you're going to do right like mm -hmm. i just i i think um, I think that could be incorporated into our business to let, but I mean, this is also easy for me to say because that's a path I took, right? I had someone who was able to teach me all of that stuff. And as a result, I slingshotted past, uh, most of my competition because mm -hmm. I got 30 years of experience in three, right? And would you that's be willing to share like the brief like okay you've been in the industry how long now i got licensed december i think 15th or 16th uh 2008 two months after the financial crisis great timing dummy now <laughs> in in your years in real estate what's that 15 am i doing the math right coming up on coming up years. on 14 15 yeah um you know now you now you're the leader of your own real estate team, you employ other people that um, rely on you for income and, and there's responsibilities there. Lord help them, yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and 
you weren't always the leader of your own team. You had a mentor for a long time. And the path that you took, by the way, I don't think is that common in the way that, that you played it out. But if you, could, you know, the listeners and, and, you know, I know this, but I think the listeners don't, if you give them like a brief, like, here's what these 15 years were, here's how you got to where you are now. I think that would be interesting because it's not the common path. Um, no, um, I mean, it, it got uncommon. I think in the beginning it was very common, started part-time, right? Yeah. I would work my eight-hour day. I would come in at night into the office. I would sit there and I would do all the wrong things, including, you know, trying to tune up my website that nobody ever visited and yeah. whatever, right? But at, basically at some point, uh, Chris, who, you know, was my mentor forever, he's thinking about retiring these days, but not quite there. Um, he, I remember, I remember again, this is one of those things, one of those points in your life, you remember exactly where you are. I was out in the bullpen in one of those stupid little cubicles and he literally comes up over the top and puts his arms on the cubicle and goes, listen, I have too much business. You have none. Come with me. And that was it. And so I was still working part-time within two weeks of that conversation, I believe I quit my job, um, my, my real job. And, um, it was ever, it just took off at that point. I think, I think within the first, I think the first year at that point, I did 24 deals after that, hmm. um, which hands on might be the most amount of deals I think I've ever done. Cause my team is so awesome. I don't actually touch, uh, a lot of my transactions other than negotiating and, and listing. Um, but, that that was it and then you get the experience of okay i'm i'm like uh i mean this is kind of kind of strange but it's almost like a, a following the mother duck right like yep. i don't have to think now i just do what this guy tells me to do cuz he's been successful at it for 25 30 35 years and it was like we were connected at the hip basically for the next two or three years until we hired our next our next uh, team member i look at it like uh when you're bowling the the gutter guards or whatever they're called like that come up. So you can't lose your ball in the gutters. Um, I think that's what mentorship you still use those. Tom? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not an active bowler. I just know what they are. Okay. Tom at the bowling alley. Can you, um, can you lower can the, you maybe put the, but you don't have any children with you. And you're like, yeah, I know, but I also don't like gutter balls. I, I feel like, yeah, that that's kind of what it is. And when you got started, back in 1967 um <laughs> i'm sure like the real estate teams have uh, absolutely <sighs> exploded and really taken over market yeah. share and, and i want to get into that today with you but it was not that typical for teams to be a thing i think brokerages were not favorable of them at the time we only had teams that were either spouses or family right, right. we're now it. it we're now if you're a new agent that doesn't join a team right away, your odds of success are probably lower than what we even talked about. Oh, so much lower. So you got to figure it out all on your own. You don't know yeah. what to do. You don't know how to meet people. You don't know how to write a contract once you do meet somebody. So, you know, one thing I've written down here that I want to bring up was, you know, people talk about disruptors in our industry. Okay. So whether that's the iBuyer that you can sell your house online, without anything or, and we talked about this in the Emma Pace episode, right? That, like, yeah, that will, that is doomed to fail forever and ever and ever in my opinion. But sure. Um, 
the discount brokerages, the mere posting ones, the new auction services, they will always have a piece of the market, right? Um, I personally think Disruptor is the one that has taken the most amount of market share in the last decade, okay? Not the loudest at the party, but the one that came in and everyone like kind of noticed they were there, but didn't really notice that at the end of the night, they're like, oh, that was the, that, that person, not just the guy yelling in the corner. So I think that is teams. I think it's teams and I think it is mega teams. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, thought you were going to like say a brokerage or something, but no, I guess maybe um, no. It's teams. It's teams. These are they are becoming us. They are brokerages. They just a brokerage. They're a right? brokerage like under for a anybody team that's, name. They're not actually a brokerage, but yeah, yeah. If you're not an agent listening, and by now you're probably tuned out. If you're not an agent listening, but um, if you're not an agent listening, basically, the brokerages used to get fifty percent of the deal, the the commission or the transaction or whatever, and they would do all your paperwork for you. They would facilitate you know, leads, they would do all sorts of different stuff and they had value. And then, uh, that started getting eroding because to, to win agents away from other brokerages, you had to, rather than provide value, what they were doing is the, the, the brokerages would come in and, uh, just say, okay, well just pay me less, just pay me less, just pay me less. You keep more of the, the paycheck. And so that opened up an opportunity for the top producing agents to come in and fill in that gap of providing the services and the administration and the uh, the leads and everything else that that uh, is involved in that. So I, I think maybe you're, I've never thought about it this way, but I think maybe you're right. Maybe teams have been the biggest disruption in the future. I don't think it's if the it's disruption that people are looking for. No, because it was quietly done. No one noticed, but they were the ones taking over the market share. And if you're a single agent working on your own maybe you have some administrative help and you go into a presentation um for a house in your area and you're going up against the person that has 20 administrators a massive marketing budget a full-on in-house staging program another five other agents that help them get things ready to go everybody on lock how do you compete other than some sellers might saying listen i don't want to just be a number I want you to know my name. I want to deal with you. I don't want to be passed off to anybody other than that, which is a smaller portion than I think a lot of people think. Cause some people just say like, if I don't go with this person, like how can I not like, look what they look, look at the services. But it's not other than that. It is that mm. it is, it is uh, like when I go into, you know, a presentation uh, with anybody, you know, anybody that I've met off of, of YouTube or any of my other clients that want to know about what's going on with the team. It's like, listen, the the only thing I want to do more than sell your house is stay married, be a good dad, right? So, if in that respect, I have to take Saturdays off. I five to seven p.m. I'm dinner with the family. That's it. There's no exceptions to that. So, well, the options are one, I do, uh, I do that, and your home doesn't get serviced, or I work with a team that's willing to switch off hours with me, right? Yep. Now, the single agent working for the brokerage, your sales pitch is different. Your sales pitch is a different thing. Your sales pitch now has to be, you get me. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens, you get me. So like you say, maybe I don't have all of those big, amazing uh, resources that a big team like the Tom Story team uh, puts together. But I, but when the phone, when you need someone, you get me. 
Yep. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. That you just have to find your market and pick. Okay, which one of those two do I want to be? Because now, what I found is that means if I'm the single agent that is going to go off on vacation, I'm picking up my phone a lot more than mm-hmm. <laughs> than I want to be. Right. So maybe now the goal of staying married might be a little tougher. But I don't know. I'm not in that situation because I've only really experienced uh, the, team, the team life, and I would never do anything different because yeah. you know I want to try and keep some sort of lifestyle i think the consumers understand it too you know like i had a recent meeting with a seller and um he said he's like i i see you've you've run a team i'd like to know who i'm going to be working with i said oh you're working with me like i'm your main point of contact but he didn't even think that going into it uh yeah which was interesting and and uh we ended up getting that listing and and one of the things that he mentioned he's like the services that you provide the other agents wouldn't do it or wanted me to pay for it. And he's like, probably the only reason you can provide these services is because you run a bigger business and sell more properties. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, like it's built into our business yeah, model. I, uh, which is interesting where, you know, a lot of other agents maybe that, that they could have talked to negotiation wise, market knowledge wise are probably on par with me or let's be honest, maybe they're way better than me. <laughs> let's be honest, Tom, they're way better than you. Yeah. Let's just be clear. <laughs> But they see the structure and they see the results and there's a system in place here. And it's not like a, Hey, let's give this thing a shot. It's like, we're coming from this from an educational standpoint and you do get me. My, yeah. my big thing is Sundays and like after 7 PM, because I put Charlie to bed, like I'm, I'm not going to take a call at any moment, but I'll call you back as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. But so the consumer, yeah. so yeah, I don't know. I, it will be interesting to see where this all goes, but that word keeps coming up and I'm just frustrated by it because I'm like, show me who has the market share. But dis, so disruptor, what what people want though, Tom, what people really want is they want to not have high fees and have to use an agent. They want to be able to buy okay. from a computer or sell from a computer and not have any of Are you sure? the hassle. That's, no, no, no. It, I'm I'm for sure devil's advocate, but I like if if you are someone like I think that's what uh, wow I'm stumbling over my words a lot. That is what the people coming into the industry ah. uh, or the disruptor, the hopeful disruptors think and want to portray. Now, do I think the people want that? I maybe maybe not, but at this point, there is nobody bringing more value than. Uh, a skilled salesperson from XYZ brokerage. And I found that most of these companies that come in from a tech side first and try to solve a problem that may exist, may not exist, that have no clue what it's actually like to be a real estate agent or service clients, they come to try and solve a problem, but they don't put the right people in charge that actually know what the problems might be. Um, and I, I think that's part of it as well. And there's a lot of tech services that are phenomenal that I pay for and I love, and they've enhanced mm-hmm. the way I can do business and, and my relationship with my clients. But there's many others that come in and try and solve this problem that isn't a problem, but it's a problem in their mind, but not to us. Actually, I just I just had uh, dinner with a very good friend, probably somebody we should actually have on at some point, okay. um, who's in the tech real estate space. And it's funny because we both work in in real estate, but not the same worlds at all, right? Um, but it is interesting because we were having that conversation. He's like, "Well, I, I was like, you know, maybe we can 
are you allowed to come on? Are you allowed to speak for your company and that sort of thing? And he's like, well, am I a real estate guy though? Or am I a tech guy? Because those are two totally different things. And I'm not sure that the tech companies, uh, the software companies, whatever, understand the problem they're trying to solve. I think they do from a very high level, like uh, how do I help someone buy a house? But but that's not really the, the question that we come across, right? You can help someone buy any house. That doesn't matter. Sure. Uh, is it a good house? Right. <laughs> that's a much more important question, right? Yep. No, it, it's interesting. And, and that takes me, you know, I got a phone call yesterday from a recruiter. They were very sneaky. They called my, my, my company's number and they said, hey, I'd like to speak to Tom. And they said, okay, no worries. What's the phone call about? And they said, oh, he'll know what I'm talking about. That's what they said. So they sent me a page. I call it a page. So it's an email, right, from our system that says, like, call this person, this number. They said you know what it would be about. I'm like, I don't know what that's about. I don't know who that person is. And in our mind, it's like you get one of those messages. It's typically a potential person reaching out because they want to buy or sell a property. So, you know, I call them back. And they work for unnamed brokerage that I will not say. And they're like, listen, the market's cooled down. You're probably not enjoying paying your brokerage fees. We work for a brokerage that doesn't have fees and you only pay if you actually sell properties. I think it's a good time for you to come here. I said, thank you very much. I know that brokerage. I love a lot of people there, but it's not interested. To, it's not interesting to me at this point in my career. So on a, on a bigger level real estate thing, you and me are old school in the fact that like I go to the office every single day. I'm yeah. obsessed with it. I love my routine. I like the people that I work with. My company, I love. They are so good. They're full service. They do everything. Yeah. Are they more expensive than other real estate companies? Yes. But why do all the top producers work there? There's got to be some correlation there as well, right? Now, yeah. to be clear though, there is a model that has entered our industry, which is a cloud-based brokerage. You can name many, many brands that exist in it. There's bigger ones. There are smaller ones that have kind of the multi-level marketing structure to them that if people come in under you, you can make passive yeah, it's two, revenue. Two separate, two separate things, right? So you've sure. got the the down funnel or the, you know, it's, the MLM there's portion Sometimes there's of stock it. options. Sometimes there is that. Is, but then there's the, so let's, let's break that down into yeah. what I think is the most important part of that. Cause fee structure, if, if someone's going there just to make money off of more people, then that's a business choice, I guess. But it, you know, I want to be true to what I'm doing, which is making ideally money from advising people uh, on real estate. But let's let's talk about the virtual brokerage and why that might be taking up so much of the market or why, why people might be tempted to go there. Why well, do you think that is? I mean, the, the sales pitch is, is fairly straightforward. Um, you pay less to be here because we don't have brick and mortar. We still yeah. give you all the training and services, but everything is done virtually. You have an opportunity if you are to bring other people into this company that go under your downline. And if they succeed, you succeed. So we're all in this together. It's kind of taking out the the person in charge. Obviously, there's there's a CEO in these companies, but we're all part of this. And it's... We're all in this together, though. Wouldn't that work in an upline, too? Shouldn't I get a piece of theirs? Like, that's an all-in-us-together type thing, right? Well, I yeah, maybe, I guess, in the growth of the company. But, like, so, I don't so know. That's, that's, but that's not the part I want to focus on because I don't think that's value to anybody, really. What I want to know is, like, so uh, when I've been approached by, I can think of one that's trying to enter Canada right now. Okay. Um, and you mentioned it for me, brick and mortar. Mm. 
I'm like, I want a place where my team and I can come together and bond and talk about deals and do it in person. And I think maybe the problem is so many, so much of our industry does just do it from home that there may not be as much uh, desire for that. But I think, again, that's something that's getting lost. I'm going to go out on a limb and say something as stupid as a company softball game is important to you, not only in your camaraderie or well, mostly in your camaraderie, right? A little bit to your business and, but we need community. We need to know, like, I think you and I are the exempt, uh, exception because we spend a ton of time talking to other professionals in our business. Um, but I think, I don't know who it was I was speaking with. might have been, it might have been Daryl Wadi. It was like, this is a lonely business. Yeah, it is. Right? Like, if, if you're working by yourself and you're not in the office, this is a lonely business. Like, you're in your, what, basement office by yourself for eight hours a day. That's why a lot of guys end up just golfing instead because they don't have the sense of community. Community is there to keep us feeling good, right? And I, th I'm worried that that will get lost in any sort of a virtual brokerage, and that's probably the uh, completely outside of fees. That is probably the number one thing that has kept me where I'm at. So, Next would be in person. Like my my broker is you guys call it broker record. We call it managing yeah. broker. Uh my brokerage uh, invests uh, in their managing brokers and uh, uh, that's probably the second best, second reason I'm here. So let me go back to the other side. All right, Steve, I understand all of that. Um, hang on, hang on. Hold this question. Think, hold that thought. Sure. There are no non-realtors listening right now. So if you're on YouTube right now... <laughs> <laughs> and you are a member of the public and you've made it this far. No, I think anyway, people are, I honestly, I, I actually slightly disagree. I think a lot of people are interested in the, in the, in the industry as well. Um, but anyways, sorry, go, you're going to pay so much less on a yearly basis at mm -hmm. this said ABC brokerage. That is a cloud brokerage that you could rent five offices for you and your team. And it would still be less than what you're currently paying. Now, and then we have monthly Zoom calls with everybody and we get everybody together and we have these massive conferences. And the only difference is we don't pay for the office. You can still have your own. And in fact, you'll come out ahead because now you have all these people that have joined the company. And Steve, let me ask you a question. Like, I'm, I'm just playing. I should be a recruiter for these companies, which I, I'm not at, by the way. <laughs> you I'm can. At, I'm join traditional. <laughs> but so that's part of the problem is a lot of the recruiters for these companies don't actually sell any homes. And it's like, okay, well, all right. Um, I lost my train of thought, but basically what I'm saying is, is you're going to be better off financially. That's yeah, what you were getting. And on right? how many people, Steve have come to you over the years and said, Hey, I like that. You know, you, I like you in the industry. I don't necessarily want to join your team. <laughs> Zero. At, okay. <laughs> hold mind, on. Sorry. Let me start again. <laughs> Steve, you work for a company uh, that I'm thinking about. Should I go there? You go, yes, I like it. You should come here. They go there. They do well. The company benefits. Steve gets zero of that. The difference is on these other models, they come in, they go under you. They don't have to work for you. You don't even have to talk to them. But if they succeed, you benefit from their success. That doesn't exist in these current models. So I think these bigger traditional, I think legacy brokerage is probably a tough term to use, but you know, are they going to adopt something similar to this to compete? 
do they not have to at some point? Probably, because listen, Remax when is the is huge now. Neither of us work for that company, but I respect that company hugely. Um, they are massive, but when they started, they were the disruptor, and everyone was like, "What the heck is yep. this?" And yep. now they're the biggest, well, one of the bigger companies in the world for real estate. Are these newer ones coming in now? Everyone's saying, "Ah, eh, whatever." Are we going to be eating our words in ten years? Oh, I think for sure these brokerages, uh, virtual brokerages, will take over the industry. Mm. I just don't know that that's a good thing. Okay. Right, and likely um, a bunch of the big brands will not adapt and lose uh, percentage. Right. So, but it is a percentage game, right? Do you want, do you want the ten agents working for your brokerage that all do a hundred deals a year, or do you want a thousand agents that all do two deals a year? Mm. Right. Like that is the game you're playing, basically. Um, I guess that's stereotyping because there's a lot of good good people that are moving over. But I don't. I uh, maybe we should have somebody on to to talk about yeah, those will. models. But I I think people are interested to. Yeah, for sure what's in it for them. So the dollars make a ton of sense, right? But am I then not, if if I go to a brokerage that is just going to give me better dollars, then how can I go into uh, a, a consultation with a client of mine and sell them on my high fee service? And I do a high fee service, like we're, we're not, yep. uh, we're not a low fee brokerage at all. Um, and how do I convince them that I'm the right pick because of all the added benefits that they're getting, right? So it can't just be dollars all the time. Otherwise, if it was just dollars, if it was just price or, or fee for service, I would lose every time because I'm not the cheapest guy. Mm -hmm. Right. But do you think people reach out to you because of the company you work for? Or do you think they call you because they know Steve? Oh, I don't think there's... Yeah, the brokerages, I think other than maybe Remax. I mean, Remax is the one that people know, right? Yeah, most Everybody people knows think Remax. I work for them. I'm with Royal LePage. Yeah, but yeah, yeah people, totally, yeah. totally. So, I mean, I'll get that at open houses, right? Like, oh, uh, yeah, are you working with a realtor? Because that's the first question we have to ask in BC. Uh, yeah, I am. Oh, okay. Anybody I might know that I can follow up with later? Oh, uh, yeah, maybe, and they usually don't know their name, but they always say the same thing. I think he's with Remax, right? So that's <laughs> turning. This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by Remax. No, it is not brought not. to you by Remax, but <laughs> it is not brought to you by Remax. But it could be if you no. Um, the so they never really say McDonald Realty. Now I prefer to be in uh, a local, uh, locally owned brokerage where I know the owner of the company mm -hmm. and and all that stuff, right? Like it, but. Um, it is, I guess, a, a bit of a preference. Do I think anybody phones me because of the brand? No. Do I think the brand of McDonald Realty is worth it? Yes. There you go. If that's that all, then sense. that's all you need to know for yourself, then, right? Right. Um, or at least, and maybe not the brand necessarily, but the support that they give me to do my job, right? Because a lot of people don't understand exactly how that works, which is, we are independent contractors for another company, and we're and not employees. We're not employees. So it's like, oh, they work for this company. And it's like, actually, that company works for us. So mm -hmm. that's kind of how it works, right? Like, we pay them. So I don't yeah. know. It's, um, I can remember I was with another smaller company my first, uh, my first year in the industry. And when I moved over to Royal LePage, 
I send my clients an email saying, hey, I, I got a new email address and you know everything's the same. I'm just at a new company and like posted about it and whatnot. The amount of people that reach out to me like, oh my God, congratulations. Congratulations yeah. on how did how did you get with Royal Page? Not knowing that like for the most yeah. for the <laughs> most part, other than a few select brokerages, they want you. You are interviewing yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but but our the public perception made, is interesting. Our, com- our company has made a real big effort. Like the signage is way better than it used to be. Like yeah. it's all single brand. It's all this sort of stuff. And uh, I, I think they're making great inroads. They're expanding. Um, they're uh, showing a bit more of a qual. I don't want to necessarily say luxury, but a quality brand yep. in a lot of those spots, right? So um, I think this maybe gets back to our original discussion, which is, you know, if you're if you're brand new with a license, how do you make this decision? Well, mm. I don't think with those virtual brokerages, you're going to necessarily get a mentor. Now, never having Unless been your there, mentor but I don't is know there, that. and that's the reason you're joining. Maybe, but like I just think of it from like a practical point of view. What do I do? Like I'm the type of person. Maybe it's because I'm a geezer, but I want to go. If I'm with my mentor, I'm with my mentor. Right. Like I'm at the listing presentation with them. I want to go to the office. I want to hear them making phone calls so I can understand how to provide value better. And um, I'm just not 100% that you would get that. But again, so I've only, I've never switched brokerages. We don't know because we've never seen We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. I'm talking out my ass. And what I've noticed is that there are a lot of newer, but, but good realtors on the come up right now that are joining these brokerages and and now they are not they don't own all the market share yet but this is like the next generation in my mind in my market i see people that are recognizing these opportunities and going you know what let's go give this a shot let's see what this is all about now if they stay is a whole nother question i guess we'll find that out but like we said at the beginning with disruptors and market share and teens and whatnot I am paying a very close attention right now to where the people, where the producers are going. What companies are they working yeah. for? And yeah. and maybe I'll be swayed one day when I see that like, hey, look, all these people that were here are now here. There's something going on. There's something happening. Yeah. As long as it's not just price, because it depends if you're a price shopper or a value shopper. Right? Like you need yep. to you need to know what you're you're getting. Uh, because I am that I am not the person that picks the cheapest deal. I am the no. person that picks the deal that's going to get me what I want with the least amount of headaches. Uh, hopefully, the most amount of quality. Right. So, <clears throat> I don't know. I I, I think it's tough. It's going to be really tough for because what do people normally do? They pick a brokerage where they have to pay not no money, and because they're new in the business. So they don't yeah, see they any don't want money expenses. Yeah. Right. They don't want expenses. Like, like think about the people that you and I are so heavily into coaching. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we see the value and there's so many people I run into that are like, you do coaching. What a waste of money. I'm like, I don't know about in your board, but I can see the medallion sheets are top 10% sheets in, in my board. And I'm like, eh, it doesn't look like, doesn't look like a waste of money, but most of them are in coaching. I'm guessing. I mean, some people are, some people aren't, some brokerages sure. have coaching and stuff, but to say, no, I don't need that help is it's hilarious, honestly, kind of, kind of ridiculous, right? Like you are literally reinventing the wheel. Um, there's even a new kind of push for people that are like, oh, anybody can 
do a deal, but how do you expose the property? It's like, no, not anybody can do a deal. Maybe in the two years of the market that you've been here, you can think anybody can do a deal. But right. as soon as we get into the market we're in now, guess what, guys? Uh, it's going to take a lot more skill to get together. Um, what's going on? Like I've just uh, recently been working with uh, an agent that you know very well, I know very well, Yep. part of the same coaching program to get a deal together. And it's been the smoothest transaction I've had so far, as long as conditions come on, <laughs> in pro the last two years, mm -hmm. right? Because you get a professional that knows what to do and they haven't tried to figure it out on the go by themselves. They've got uh, a business coach. And so it's business coaching is what? Sales training. It's um, systems training. It's it's all of these things. They're not a hard person to get a hold of. Uh, they know what the hell they're talking about when the when the deal has to get done. And that I think is is the the people not investing in themselves might go along the same track as you know the mentorship thing. It's mm -hmm. people not investing in themselves. Yeah. Right. I had uh, I did a a talk uh, at the end of March. Uh, in person uh, in in Mississauga and there was like 800 realtors in the crowd and it was honestly it's like so thrilling I hadn't done that in a long time and uh, my talk you mean was, you enjoyed the sense of community awesome <laughs> yeah on, yeah I did it was awesome yeah 100% and went to this conference I was one of the keynote speakers had had a great had 30 minutes to myself on stage and um, my talk was really about like the next generation of real estate and and what I wanted to focus on based on the conversation I've had with other agents, the people I've interviewed was like, okay, well, what is it really that separates the people at the top of the industry from the people that are just getting by? Because it's not strictly intelligence. It's not just one thing or another thing. There's many factors. And, and here's a few things I wrote down. And I want to share this because one of them was they have mentors and coaches. All the people at the top, for the most part, uh, have someone that they look to for advice. Um, my other point was that most of them are listing focused, meaning they, of course they work with buyers, but they wake up every morning figuring out how am I going to find a seller that wants to sell a property because it gives you more leverage, it gives you better lifestyle. That is huge and it gives you an opportunity to find more buyers. Um, they have systems and processes, that which doesn't mean they have a CRM. It means like they know how much money they're spending. What's their profit and loss? They have a bookkeeper. Like they are running a business. I don't know many people at the top of the industry in the top 1% that are flying by by the seat of their pants. I, there's a few, but not many. And, and, and the few that are there aren't going to see growth. They, you, know, you can have a good year in real estate, fine, but a good decade is, well, a good career, I guess, is what I'm after, not, not just a yeah. good year, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy to when, when you look at like people that are, like I know what a bad year for us is. And some people would just love to have the year bad year. Oh, they yeah, yeah, totally. Right. So it's like if you can get to a spot where you have the people on your team that are so important to you to get the the transactions together and then uh, you know, help the clients at the same time, make the living for everybody. Um, that bad year for us is yeah, for for a lot of people would be probably their best year of their career or a couple of years together, right? He, the other few that I had written down were that they are obsessed with the client experience, like like borderline obsessed about making sure that when a client works with them, they get what they think they're going to get and then some because they know that that client will probably call them back again and refer them their friends. 
and that one good deal you did for that one person could turn into five opportunities in the next two years. Here's where this is funny because yes, however, I think a lot of agents are uh, pointed in the wrong direction because they think client experience means how happy is that person when I see them. Mm. And I'm very, as we've pointed out on this show before, uh, not exactly the most, uh, like I rub a lot of people the wrong way, right? Let's face it. So what my focus is in my business for client experience is what, how does the client ingest what's coming from us? Because I have very little one-on-one contact with my clients. I don't do a lot of face-to-face, but I do a ton of correspondence. I do a ton of communication. So, you know, phone calls or, or whatever, video updates, all those, all those things. So when I'm putting anything together, I'm thinking, how is the client receiving this uh, as down as far as aesthetics, right? Yeah. If I'm sending an update to my client about why they had no showings this week, am I going to send it to you in a text message that says, hey, sorry, no showings this week. Talk to you next week. Or is it going to come in, you know, uh, a, a video email mm-hmm. uh, like this at the beginning of every week at a time when they know it's going to come and with all the statistics and why and who and who showed it and what their feedback was, right? Like, what are they ingesting? So client experience, um, I, I agree with you. I just think a lot of agents fool themselves into thinking they're giving a very good client experience because the client likes them and would love to go out for dinner or cocktails with them. Right. Yeah. I think, I think you ask any agent, uh, are you giving a good experience? And they'll go, yeah, of course we are. Yeah, of course. I don't give bad experiences, Tom Story. I only give good experiences. That's what two, we're all about. Two others I wanted to share. Um, they know where their business is coming from. Okay. So they know that if they sold 100, their team did 100 sales. They know that 30 of them came from repeat clients. 30 of them came from referral clients, right? And then 40 of them came from referrals or YouTube or marketing or... I was waiting for you to do your math right there. I got to, I got to 100. Um, <laughs> they know where their business is coming from. They know and they look at the end of every year and every quarter and they go, okay, well, we did really good in this section. We maybe we lacked here. What can we do in this section? Um, where a lot of agents, I'm like, you're successful. Where do you get your business from? They're like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I'm myself. Like, have you ever looked at those it? are the but but those are the best salespeople. Yeah, because they're they don't, just not they, the they're just themselves. Best team leaders. Yeah. yeah. Or um, or the best overall business owners, right? They're the best salespeople. Like, uh, we got members on our team that are just like, and again, that's why I have those people on my team. They're there to be the happy person. But I knew, I know, for instance, I wouldn't be the happy person there with the client all the time because I'm not uh, a bubbly, bubbly person. But I also know if it was just them that they would be happy and bubbly, but half the paperwork wouldn't get to the client because they're more worried about focusing on what the client needs right now and, yep. and making the client happy. And then like, so that's how the team, I think, oh, it's going to be a sales pitch for a team again. Um, but that's how the team comes together to give the best experience to the client. Yep, I would agree. And then the last thing I have here is that they understand the cost uh, per sale. Okay, so, you know, you can make $10,000 in revenue. 
and then you look, okay, well, how much did it cost me to find that opportunity? You know, it, it's, you know, you basically just run the amount of money you made divided by the amount of money you spent over a period of time. And it gives you your cost per sale. And then you can break it in different categories depending on where that, that lead uh, initially came from, right? So, um, you know, I know for me, it's like my, my best course of action, my best ROI in my business is a repeat client either working with me again or referring me their friend. That is the best cost per sale I have. It's probably 15 cents on the dollar based on the system that I run. But, and it's the most fun. And it's the most fun. Um, YouTube's interesting, right? Like we have a lot of people that reach out to us from our YouTube videos and say, hey, we want to work with you guys. And that's harder to quantify because it's more of our time. I guess you'd have to mathematically figure out what our time is worth and how much time we put into making these videos to figure out what that cost per sale. But it's not nothing, it's something. So it's not just always money, it's sometimes time. And I know like for sending out my my flyers, like our, our ad mail, it's my cost per sale is probably 35 cents on the dollar. It's expensive to get that appointment. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are just some things that that I wanted to bring up That because I figured really at this point, if you're listening, you're probably really interested in the back end of things. Yeah. So for for a new agent, though, that's getting in to try and keep on, on top of this, we're going to have to come up with some sort of a new agent title for this, Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, for a new agent, then, you have to then focus on like, okay, what are we doing here? Am I Because what you talked about is I'm leveraging time or I'm leveraging my money, right? What am I doing? Am I spending to yeah. get all of you know this business that I'm looking for? Am I advertising? Or am I spending my time? Well, if you're if you're new to the business, you should leverage your time. You should spend as much time as possible and no money. So that's where uh, YouTube right now, I think, would be the first place I would start mm-hmm. to try and get something. Uh, I mean, I know you're not a fan of open houses. I would do, be doing four open houses a weekend. To we get got in front one of this weekend. Excuse me very much. You're doing an open house, or your team is. Our team is running an open house okay. this weekend. Okay, okay, okay. So I, but but I know like you've, you, and again, it's not. You are correct. It's not necessarily to sell the home as much as it is to meet new people that are mm-hmm. looking to buy homes, whatever. But as a new agent, you need to be leveraging your time. So it needs to be. Uh, I would personally, right now, I'd be doing one to three videos a week on YouTube to get myself out there. Uh, and I better know what I'm talking about. That's the kind of the kick on on YouTube is you can't really fake it. No, you gotta know what you're talking um, about. But that makes you, you a better agent. About. It makes you better. It does because you gotta talk 100%. about it. Yeah. So if I can do that, let's say that's gonna take me. If I do three videos, it's gonna take me eight hours. So that's in in my opinion, eight hours of prospecting. Um, it's almost as good as phone calls. Mm-hmm. You're also gonna make phone calls, which is time, and then you're also going to. Uh, you're, you're going to do open houses and, and meet people as much as you possibly can. And any, if you're brand new in the business and did what I did, which is take out an ad in, I don't know, at that time, the paper or whatever was going to happen, right? Like that's all just, you're burning that money. You're mm-hmm. throwing that in the garbage. You're better off to stand on the side of the road with one of those pointy arrows saying, here's my brokerage, come talk to me, than you are to advertise in print, right? So I think you would want to spend all of your time. And I don't, Maybe you can quantify this. I can't. I would spend zero time personally on uh, Instagram or TikTok because I'm just not convinced that those actually produce business. Um, they produce brand awareness maybe, but not business. And uh, in the beginning when you're a new agent, you need to get it through your head that there is a difference between people knowing you're a realtor and selling a home. So 
I kind of agree with that. I don't fully agree. Um, brand awareness well, this eventually would suck if you totally agreed, Tom. So give it to me. Brand awareness eventually turns into business, and there are there are some people, a very small percentage of people on TikTok that turn it into real cold hard sales. Okay, there are. I know they exist. There's not as many of them as I'd like there to be to prove to me why I should get on there. But Instagram is a massive source of business for me. However, it's not necessarily the client reaching out, although some have. Many have, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have a different play, right? You have agent-to-agent referral. Yeah, I get a lot of agent-to-agent referrals on Instagram. So I get people that live in other markets that have clients going to Toronto, and they message me on Instagram because that's where they see me. So... You know, it all depends. I think it all works. It's being consistent on whatever platform you're going to use. Um, that That's basically the biggest thing for, for a new agent. And like yeah, just yeah, recognizing yeah. you got to have patience. Patience is the name of the game. It's, it doesn't, you can be a, you can be so good at this and still not find the results you're looking for in the first two years. You can be so good and have the right mm-hmm. mentorship, do the right things but track your behavior, not your results right away um, because it uh, it can be frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you and I talk about this off this podcast all the time, right? Our videos that we're doing, and by the way, you're killing it. I hate to pat you on the back in front of people, but you're doing good and got a lot of traction lately. Thank you. Um, the, the difference, though, is I know your videos that talk about maybe a neighborhood in, I don't know, name a neighborhood distillery just at king west toronto wherever you are those are going to get you way more 400 views way more business and then uh way less views but way more business way less views way more business so everybody gets oh how do i get more views how do i get more views And you got to remember you're not a youtuber you're a real estate agent Mm -hmm. so you have to then go okay well how can i provide value because i think in my market there are a few uh fairly substantial guys that you know, as far as views go on, on YouTube, but I'm not convinced they're getting business out of it, that they're not meeting clients out of it. They don't have, they're not putting out a vibe of where the client feels like this is my best choice to make my purchase in that area. And mm-hmm. unless you're doing that, you're not doing it successfully. Right. Yeah. So you have to show people line. why, why you know what you're talking about. Right. I've got a new series I'm going to be putting out, which I'm just okay with the fact that the views won't be there where I'm going to different Toronto neighborhoods and I'm going to start with condos and say, for this neighborhood, these are my favorite five buildings. Here's why. Way, here's better, my, way better content. Here's my 100%. honorable mentions. And, um, you know, if, if your buildings are on there, it doesn't mean it's not great. It's just like, this is my personal opinion. Like, these are the ones I would buy. Um, and I know those videos will do very well in a business sense. On an ego sense, they'll be way underperforming compared to my other yeah. videos. And that's just the fact. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But you just need the right uh, picture of, I don't know, Trudeau and this and something and then tie it in and then you'll be uh, with, with a big scary thumbnail and then you'll get lots of lots of views. Unfortunately, that is working very well right now. Um, <laughs> Isn't it crazy how it works? I'm trying to do, I'm uh, for anybody that watches my channel, I'm very hard uh, taking the role from like Graham Stephan, right? Which is mm-hmm. like, nobody's going to click on, hey, here's going to be your average gain in the market over the next 10 years. So it's okay to buy in a declining market, but they will click on 
house prices are your house. I think I got a video coming out called like your house will for sure be less in the future or yeah. worth less in the future. Right. So it's like, yeah, well, the point of that video when it's all said and done is like, here's the yearly average. So you have to have the click. You have to get the attention because without the intention or the attention, it doesn't matter how smart you are and that you can show people the market's going to be just fine. I've, uh, I get a few videos recommended to me on my channel that are other realtors in my market. And I watch their video. I'm like, that was great. And they have 32 yeah. subscribers. And I'm like, just no one knows about them. Honestly, that was a great video. Yeah. Like really well done, yeah. put together. Um, but, but they are not as consistent as us, which I think is the one thing that has given us the growth on that platform. We are posting minimum one or two videos a week. You've been doing three videos a week for like a two years almost. Yeah, not, not, not anymore. I'm taking and, a break. Well, uh, a break. but we're taking a break, but we're do, using this as another platform as, as putting out content, yeah. right? So it's yeah. just a different way of doing it. We're like, it's funny, these podcasts we record to set up and think about what to talk about take minimum two hours of my time, each, each one of these, to like think about it. Where if I film, like I put out a video on YouTube yesterday, um, I sat down, I had no script. I had three things I wanted to talk about. It was a 15 minute long, like film with the errors left in there. My edit turned into like an eight and a half minute video. That process from sitting down at my desk, filming it in one shot, editing it and putting it on YouTube was an hour. Mm -hmm. Cause I've got it down to a science. These take way longer. Although I guess we come in less per like it's, it's because this is just us talking. These are easier for me. Yeah. These are easier for me because my, my videos are like so edit heavy and like I try and be a little bit entertaining and stuff, right? So they're definitely easier for me to do it to do it this way. But um, it's such a powerful tool to get out there yeah. um, that I think you, you have to be doing it. And like you say, there are people that aren't getting the views um, that should be. And I think they just have to stick with it. Maybe they got to tweak a few things and... Uh, there's a few things they could do to reach more people. But like, for instance, I think it's Oshawa, Lisa Abbott team mm -hmm. has one of, if not like top 10 uh, YouTube channels uh, for real estate in or like for sure Oshawa, in probably Oshawa. Ontario, maybe yep. Canada. Um, not enough views. Um, but as long as she, I don't even think Lisa doesn't do it. There's somebody on her name, uh, Jesse. I watch them. Like, yeah, I'm like, this is They're the great. best. This is the best stuff because it's it's good info and i think they just have to kind of stick with it maybe oshawa is not a biggest market but oshawa has got to be as known as surrey is there's enough people right? yeah the, the, i'm guaranteeing that they're going to get business from it and now they're also earlier in the journey than we were before we yeah, saw yeah, the yeah. results right yeah yeah so you gotta you gotta work it i mean that's why this podcast for me has been so inspiring and so stoked to do it because I think we're at the, you know, 300 ish subscribers and it's like, you know how long it took me to get my channel to 300 subscribers, yep. uh, just for selling real estate. Like it, man, it was tough and it was disheartening. And then th that day I hit a thousand, I was, I was just dancing. I thought it was the best thing in the world. And then within a month I'm at 2000 and, and then two weeks after that, yeah. I'm like at 5,000. Right. It's now it's so crazy. Died. Now, <laughs> now that the market has died, maybe it essentially cares took about me, me five years of randomly posting video with no plans to get to a thousand subscribers. And then I got monetized in November of last year. So what that's 
eight months ago-ish. And uh, now we're over 5,000 and the views have gone crazy. In a way shorter period of time, my growth has gone insane. So do you think that is because you kept up with it or do you think it's because yes. you had a, you altered and, and maybe made a little bit more of a plan with it? Oh, well, both, both. It's like, I'm going to post this many videos per week on these topics. I have a running list on my notes app on my phone of video titles I want to talk about. Or if I see a news article, I like the title level, I'll use that for the video. Um, and then honestly, the motivation to, to keep going because is when people started reaching out and be like, thanks, that really helped. Yeah. Or yeah. like I, I told you, so I didn't talk about that. I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast. I was standing at my local Starbucks and I was like wearing a red, like flip flops, a backwards hat. It was like a Sunday morning waiting for a coffee. And this lady comes up, she's like, love the videos. I'm like, thank you so much. She's like, no, they've really helped. Thank you so much for the videos. I didn't even get her name. It was a very quick interaction. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Like, because in the grand scheme of thing, me and you have zero following online in the in the world of yeah, yeah, we're yeah. we're niche down to this little thing. But people watch and they find it valuable. And of the five thousand ish people that follow both of us on YouTube, probably a percent of them actually interact with us, meaning like mm -hmm. leave comments, send us messages. There's a whole bunch of people we don't know that are consuming it. Yeah. And I think that's just really cool. And that, that's that's what's kept me going. And then on top of the fact that, like, let's be honest, it has increased my business. I do more business because yeah. more people reach out and they want to work with our team. And how can yeah. you not acknowledge that? Yeah. No, that's that's it for sure. I had that happen too. And uh, I was actually doing an open house and the guy walks in and he looks at me and he's like, I know you from somewhere. I'm like, you're like, oh, no. Why? I don't know, man. I got pretty... I got pretty regular white guy face. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> do you know many chubby 40-year-old dudes? Um, and he's like, and I was actually wearing my glasses. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, I recognize your voice. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? So I was like, oh, have you seen some YouTube videos or something? And he's like, that's what it is. So I took off my glasses. He's like, I'm like, that's so strange. It's so strange to be such a, a small market, but people are listening. And that's, uh, I think it's great because our industry needs to educate people better, mm -hmm. right? Like our, I, I think our industry has never done it. Uh, probably a lot of industries have never done a very good job of helping their clients become educated about whatever it is they're purchasing or whatever their services are, right? Um, so I just think it's such a massive opportunity. The other part that I'm super stoked about, which we are now doing with this is I think the next step is collab. Yeah. Right. The next step is these, you know, having Jordan on and stuff, uh, having Emma on and it, it's just been so cool to see other people's kind of groups get exposed to it and then expose them and, and try and change maybe, uh, not a positive, uh, reputation in the mm -hmm. industry for for kind of old school sales and that there are a ton of people out here that are trying very hard to provide value and they also know what the hell they're talking about they're not just here to jam a sale down your throat like i think so much of the public thinks we try and do yep yep totally i think that's that's the biggest thing um and, and hopefully we're we're like a small piece of moving in the right direction um which is which is really cool right yeah, man. Okay. Yep. 
Should well, we try and uh, wrap this up because it's just you and me yapping? And yeah. uh, for all of those that of you that have made it this far, uh, we're going to try. And, tell uh, us, tell maybe... us if you made it this far on YouTube. <laughs> Comment down below Comment. if you're at so the we last know that minute. you're listening. And <laughs> and or if you know me or Steve personally, but we don't know you listen, shoot us a message. Like send us a text. Let us know what you like, what you don't yeah. like. It's all good. Actually, that would be cool, man. If anybody could, uh, I don't know, screenshot it and share it on their Instagram, let other people know it's out there, yep. or rate it uh, on the podcast apps, or leave a comment uh, down below. That would be awesome. We have a little bit of exciting news too, which is we're actually going to see each other in persons uh, from many, many miles and miles away. And we're going to actually try and do a few of these in, in person. person. Yep. And I'm super stoked because we have... Uh, hopefully coming up quick, like some legitimate Canadian real estate celebs, mm -hmm. uh, which is a funny thing to say because nobody's a celebrity and they don't know who they are either. But to us and to anybody listening that's in the in the world of real estate in Canada, you're going to know. know these people. Yep. You'll 100% know these people. And uh, it's going to be fun to uh, get their opinions on sour beers and PD scotches. I can't wait to do it in person. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, uh, and we will see you in a week. Bye. Bye.